0: Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. In this episode of the Catalyst Podcast, I go dark, sabotage. We're going to talk all about self-sabotaging. It's those unsightly quirks in our personality that we all have. We can't have the light without the dark. And the sooner you can recognize and learn to play with your self-sabotages, the better you will be, not only as a clinician, but as a friend, as a family member, and a citizen of this world. So join me as we talk about self-sabotage and how sometimes highlighting those parts of you can be invitations to grow and augment your impact as a catalyst of the world. As we are all catalysts making our dreams happen day by day, there's a light and dark side. There's the five pillars of a catalyst roadmap imagine, find, streamline, amplify, and parade. And we're talking about the imagine stage. It's not all roses and rainbows. Yes, it's fun to fantasize about how you would like your next career chapter to look, or maybe this next friendship you have hopes and dreams, or maybe your next partner. Or your bouncing baby on your lap. We all have fantasies of what life should look like. And that feels good to stay in that fantasy world. But we need to be cognizant of the dark shadows. And today we're going to talk about self-sabotage. It's one of the ways that we get in our own way. And we can make it unnecessarily hard on ourselves to achieve our dreams. Because we'll have cognitive thinking errors that are useful if we can spot and mitigate and process as soon as we can. So after this episode, I hope you are more clear on what cognitive distortions might be your preferential flavor of choice, and maybe you can recognize them earlier. I'd like to start with a quote, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, the godfather of flow. He says, we usually pay attention to the things we like that interest us, that engage our skills, but The relationship works the other way as well. We get to like whatever we pay careful attention to. Because of this, a good strategy is to invest energy in things that we have the potential to sustain growth, even if at first we are not particularly interested in them. Eventually, we learn more about them and interest will be awakened. And I take this quote meaning, you got to learn to love what you hate. And sometimes doing the dirty work of understanding your dark shadows, your self-sabotages, turns out benefiting you. It can become almost gamified, almost addictive to see, ah, there we go again. That's my part talking about cognitive biases. I'm thinking I'm going to fail. There's that perfectionist, whatever we want to call them. So let's get started. Here's seven ways that I find personality can get in my own way, and I see this often as I am partnering with other catalysts around the world, helping them create their new career chapter. First is emotion dysregulation. As much as we'd like to say that we have it all together as a healthcare practitioner, a lot of this is practiced. We put on a face, a mask of confidence, and we suppress our emotions in the moment because that's the best thing you need to do in an acute setting. If there's trauma, if there's something happening in front of you, patients depend on you to be a solid source of strength. Unfortunately, we often don't unpack this baggage. We carry our emotions with us and aren't trained to offload them safely. And when we try, we are at risk of having our license taken away. We're at risk of punitive punishment for simply being human. Not to mention, our culture doesn't really give us a chance to understand what it feels like to have our body and our mind. We're all unique. Having our brain doesn't come with a user manual, although that would be very nice, to see what kinds of things would help me navigate this world better with my brain and my emotions. So as we become more dysregulated in our emotions, There's a direct correlation with how successful or not your careers can be. And I found personally, as I was navigating from burnout into a new chapter of my medical career as a private functional medicine consultant, one of the best team members for me was a therapist who had nothing to do with my business, nothing to do with anything other than helping me sift and sort through emotions that bubble up. Because let me tell you, being an entrepreneur definitely causes some emotions to bubble up. It is like the best gut check. You're going to learn so much about your own biases. You're going to spot some weaknesses. And you're given invitations to grow. Whether you take them or not is up to you. The second way I see that I get in my way, as well as other mentees in my program, is internalizing. Internalizing everything whether it's the news, whether it's a comment from your services, good or bad. If you internalize all the good comments and then have a hard time with the bad ones, then you're going to be in trouble. Internalizing everything is only going to end up making you more dysregulated. So taking everything personally that you actually caused This person to leave your practice. It might be something different. Maybe they're moving, their finances changed, maybe they have outgrown your growth. Don't internalize everything. Remaining as neutral as possible, be flow like water, like Bruce Lee, just taking it as it comes that you aren't the source for all healing, just like you're not the source for all pain if people decide to part ways. When you're strong in what you offer in your services and your mission and purpose, you can handle anything that comes your way. The third thing, lack of direction. Okay, everything looks shiny, new, bright, and fun, especially as an entrepreneur. I loved that part of this journey is walking into my blank office, like a blank canvas, and really being able to have autonomy. It was like I went from feast Or from famine to feast. I had no autonomy as an employed family doctor, none. Could not set my hours, my uh, minutes that I could see a patient. Everything was being stripped away slowly, as I'm sure a lot of primary care doctors feel. So you're in this like drought of having no agency or autonomy, and then whiplash into entrepreneurialism where you basically choose everything. And that can feel very unsettling it can feel like you should be choosing everything. You should be looking at everything and and everything seems like a possibility, especially if you live with a brain that's very imaginative and prone to divergent thinking. I felt like I needed to explore every single thing coming across my screen, every mini webinar promising uh, to 10X my business outcome or how to capitalize on social media or how to best... Uh, be more efficient in my charting. Everything felt like it was relevant and that caused me to feel easily distracted. And when you start to solidify your purpose, your mission, who you're serving and what brought you into this space, it's easy to stay on focus, easy to eliminate distractions and be clear. And that's one of the best things that I love helping the catalyzers in my mentorship is being those blinders for them, constantly going back, to asking, okay, is this pertaining to you, what you really want in this world, the legacy you'd like to leave? Is this going to help get you closer to that? If it's going to distract you, then maybe it's not the right thing to add at this time. I'm a big fan of back burner. I have so many lists and sometimes just writing things down on a list is a great way to offload my brain. I highly recommend lists. I use Trello And it's a great resource because at the time when that dopamine is high, I think everything's a great idea, but you'd be amazed that when you put it on a list and you snooze it for a back burner and you look back a week later, it's still a good idea, but it might not be as pressing as I would have thought. And maybe that conference or that ayahuasca journey in uh, Costa Rica might have to be pushed off a couple more years. Sounded cool at the time, but maybe now is not the right time. Now, we talked about internalizing. The fourth thing is externalizing. When we tend to project our narrative on the world, we we read into things. We see this a lot in political posts or social media where we feel that we are represented in ways out on the world. So externalizing your narrative can also be just a lot of emotional energy you don't need. And this is quickly followed by perfectionism. That's the fifth way that we get ourselves off track. Our personalities have go- come really far. Perfectionism has gotten us where we're at. Doctors, nurses, PAs. Um, being a perfectionist, it can be actually very useful. We spot and find things that are wrong, and we're able to save a lot of deeper errors that could have happened. That sets up for us to be rewarded. The more perfectionistic we've been in our past, then we get praise, So naturally, we start to be almost obsessive about this, and that can sabotage our best efforts. If you're an entrepreneur, you know, done is better than perfect, but that's a hard place to reach. And it's a muscle we practice every day. And I practice it by asking myself, is this done enough? I love the word enough. Because to say, is this ever done I also don't like commitment. And I would say, no, I could always do something better. I could always tweak this color. I could always add this word into their visit sum- summary. I could always find the best article for this patient to understand better. I could probably refilm this video or podcast without us or ands or likes. But instead, you press on because it's good enough good enough, the 80-20 rule, if it's good enough, then it will serve its purpose. Nobody wants perfectionism, especially if you're in the wellness field when you're trying to partner with patients to encourage growth and practicing new habits that they may not have tried before. It's much easier to learn from somebody who is not perfect. Let's be honest. We all have messy homes or closets. We don't eat perfectly. When you're trying to strive to be your most brilliant self, we want you to be human. And perfectionism is just not good medicine for anybody. Next is fantasy proneness. Hello, I feel called out. Fantasy proneness. Yep, I am prone to fantasy. But what if it could look like this? Or I can imagine this empire of change. Fantasy proneness is great if you don't live there 24-7. You see, when you have an imagination, you are prone to think of all the possibilities and ways this could be even better. So if you find yourself being distracted by fantasy proneness, set a timer. Hey, I think fantasizing is great. It's a wonderful way to exercise that right brain. But maybe do it on your walk. Maybe just 10 to 15 minutes a day. and, and don't spend an hour or two trying to craft this ideal space when it may not be practical. And last, apathy. If you find yourself feeling apathetic, that's high sign of possible burnout, which as we know, I'm very anti-burnout. I want to fortify all of my Catalyzer mentees on tips and tools to avoid burnout, or at least embrace it lovingly and process it as as fast as you can and send it on its way because we're all going to feel burned out whether it's in our career in our relationships or heck just even in our families and friendships um burnout happens leaving one industry or one career in hopes of finding the ideal career that doesn't have burnout i don't think that's possible so when you start feeling apathetic it's time to look at where is your purpose and mission has it changed go back to the core values Maybe you're chasing a career that isn't aligned anymore with what you thought you needed or wanted to feel fulfilled. That's where apathy comes in. You feel like what you're doing doesn't matter. So it's time to circle back and see. So let's talk about sabotage. Sabotage is huge, huge enough that uh, if we don't recognize it, we're in trouble. Here's some common cognitive distortions that I like to talk about with my catalyzers. So there's many different thinking errors that can thwart our progress and it halts our creativity. And it really causes us to spend too much energy on all of these thought processes. So if we can at least get familiar with them, we might recognize them in our own patterns. We all have a unique blend, a cocktail, would would you say, of of different cognitive biases and distortions that we have. So I'm only mentioning a few here because they're the most common that I see. First, blame, right? It's not comfortable to own your own shit, right? But we have to. Sometimes we have to admit that we're in the wrong. Yep, I know. It's not, not a fun, jagged little pill to swallow. But sometimes when we'd rather blame something else, It's easier. So if you're somebody who's often pointing the finger at nope, it's you know, it's social media or it's the neighbor down the street, or it's if you start to shift blame, it's another way of just sabotaging. Own it. Even if you don't know the answer, that's the hardest part and the most frequent thing I see in healthcare we want to blame the EMR for burnout. We want to blame our C-suite administrators. We want to blame uh, the big pharma commercials. There is a lot of absolute truth in this. They have made almost an impossible mountain to climb for any healthcare practitioner to find joy in their career because there's so many ways that we are sabotaged. We feel like a used car salesman when a patient walks in the room because they already have an agenda that they saw something on the commercial during Super Bowl. And you have an agenda because you're trying to talk about their A1C and you have to do this in 15 minutes to come to some kind of negotiation and neutrality. And that's hard. So it's easy for us to blame. This is why I'm burned out is all of these other reasons. But we also need to look at ourselves. Burnout doesn't start... With us it doesn't start with them. it starts with everything. it's a whole systems failure. So hopefully some of these uh, self-sabotaging biases can help awaken in you awareness that maybe you didn't have before. The next one I see is emotions as facts. that happens a lot of times making feelings out to be your facts you know you aren't your thoughts and elongating that that response from a trigger, to a response in your body and brain. And the longer you can make that, the better. So it's also something to practice. And the way I practiced in my business is asking for feedback all the time. Probably too much, but hey, each time I was able to practice that elongation from a trigger to my emotional response. I'll give an example. Every time I made any changes or I was thinking about making changes, or even just in my email signatures or my visit summaries, I would always have opportunity, please give anonymous feedback here. And I would ask questions like, what's working really well for you? But that's the sunshiny part. Everyone loves giving that kind of feedback. They feel good. Even if it's anonymous, people love to make others feel good. I want the dark. So I'd ask, what is clunky? What is not working well for you? What would you actually tell a friend watch out for this. This part's hard. Or I wish this could be a little better. That's the kind of feedback to listen to as well. And both are great in different ways, but it triggers an emotion. And the longer you can lengthen that response and reflect, the better you get at being neutral in every case, whether it's a glowing review or a scathing review. And that helped me practice not taking my emotions as facts and stripping everything down to facts because that's really what we're dealing with. If something's not working, great. Let's see if I can help. The next uh, cognitive distortion is minimizing, right? Downplaying your skills. We see this a lot, especially people that have had history of trauma. Uh, Maybe they've been taught to be an overproducer, over uh, gratitude kind of you know lavishing their friends and family by trying to anticipate their needs before they even think about that they minimize themselves to be smaller in hopes that this shows how much of a better person they are so they're the people that bring you know cookies and treats to every appointment or they're the ones that are always going above and beyond even if you didn't ask and while that's wonderful and lovely and feels good when it happens all the time i worry about the minimizing of themselves that they don't take up space and it's okay to take up space, right? So looking, if this is something you do, ask yourself, what can you magnify instead of minimize, right? Don't downplay your skills. Don't say it's no big deal. This is a big deal. You're showing up in the universe. You're giving your services and you deserve to be valued. That financial conversation is a difficult one, but don't minimize your services, Maximize. And be proud of all the time and effort it's taken you to get to this point and unabashedly excited to take up space in this world. Imposter syndrome, that's another one, big one. And I see this big red flag. I can tell it's an imposter syndrome when we start to want to sign up for more training. I mean, come on. We love learning. That's why we're healthcare practitioners. We love learning all the latest. And functional holistic integrative medicine is the best place for the learners because there's new stuff all the time, new evidence-based trials, double-blind trials, all these great things that we're learning about the beautiful plants in this world, um, all the ways that we can help people get healthy without the big ticket pharmaceutical you know, blessing. However, we get uneasy because we get pushed into new territory, a little out of our comfort zone. So what do we do? We take a familiar crutch by signing up for another training experience That's exactly what we do. Well, if I feel uncertain, I must need to know more. That's the cure, right? Um, If I don't know what's going on or I'm a little unsettled, I know what'll help. I'm going to sign up for another conference so I can take notes again. And then I can do this again and again and again and again and again. I have a rule to help myself with imposter syndrome. I don't sign up for another conference unless I know if it will directly be applicable in my office the next day. So can I make this work for me? Am I going to use this again in a group visit? Am I going to be able to streamline my processes more because I will have better protocols, et cetera? And if I feel like an imposter, then that means I also need to diminish my input. What am I seeing in my world that's making me feel uncertain? Am I spending too much time on social media? Am I not surrounding myself with the right friends that are lifting me up? Look at those subtle cues in your life that are making you feel less than someone else. And avoid that trigger to sign up for more credentials. We definitely are an over-credentialed bunch here. Conclusion jump is another one. Assuming that you know the results, right? That's another way of externalizing our narrative. We might recognize patterns in our history of friendships or patients that we've had in the past. And we might assume certain things and jump to conclusions. Before you do that, remind yourself to just take a breath and elongate that trigger to response. and see. What are the facts we're dealing with here? Just because I'm having a bad month where I might not have as many new strategy sessions or discovery calls, does that mean I'm going to be eating rice and beans for the rest of my life? Not necessarily. Don't jump to conclusions that aren't there. Practice that cognitive reframe and flexible thinking and just take a moment, right? And that leads right into personalization. We tend to personalize everything, right? Every circumstance, every event. Is a reflection of us and sometimes it isn't. And as an entrepreneur, when you are literally your business, it is very easy to personalize everything. And this is the one thing that I find a lot in catalyzers. They will personalize everything, which is beautiful because that's what this day and age is now. It's the best time to be in medicine as an entrepreneur because you literally have free opportunities to advertise without spending any money. You can be simply on social media showing your personal brand and how your worldview is so unique and give your signature stamp on the universe of how you think of medicine and healing and how wonderful this is. You can take personal ownership of this, but also it has to come with a little bit of a thick skin. Don't take things personally and be present without self-sacrificing. Do this on your own terms and enjoy that you are coloring that tapestry of healing with your own unique shade. Low frustration tolerance is another cognitive distortion. As we know, flow is a cycle. Of four stages in the brain. When you're in flow, you produce all five neurochemicals of happiness. It's beautiful. It feels awesome. Kids love it. That's why they play all day. That's why they're in games and they're making art. They know that flow feels good, but we squeeze it out of us as adults. And the thing about flow is we think it's supposed to just come to you easily. And that's not true. It actually starts with struggle. It starts with A little bit of difficulty. That's where the norepinephrine comes in. We kind of want it to feel a little challenging, not overwhelming, but a little challenging. And if we give up before the release phase starts, then we've missed the whole flow. So a lot of us don't realize, like just trying a little bit, it's okay to have a little discomfort and see how much further you can push a bit and you might end up into flow. An example of this is what many people see as an impossible task, making an online course for their patients or starting group visits. They're very similar. It's showing up for consistency in a space. And let's pick group visits for this example. When you're having group visits, it's scary at first. You're thinking, how am I going to do this for weeks on end? A weekly group visit? Why in my mind would I ever want to do that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because It's going to train a culture of patients that will know they can count on you to be in one spot at the same time every week. So guess what? Your portal messages will go down because they know they can reach you. A lot of anxiety in healthcare is the inability to talk to a trained professional. When you start giving them this consistency, they'll know to anticipate it. You can also gather questions throughout the week and answer them. And if you're thinking this sounds like a lot to do, I'm confused. How would I do this on Zoom? What are the logistics? When you have this frustration tolerance, you might back away from it if you have a low frustration tolerance and you're sabotaging your own growth when all you need to do is take off little chunks. Let's try to commit to three months of this and see how it feels. Let's be transparent to our patients and say, hey, I don't have it all figured out. Let's laugh together and create it together. And you start to try teeny little steps towards what is a little uncomfortable at first becomes second nature. You pop open your screen, you start your Zoom webinar, you invite patients into a space, you record a half an hour video, and then you're there for Q&A, and suddenly it's not that frustrating anymore. So learning to push that frustration tolerance is awesome. Rigid thinking is another bias, another cognitive distortion we have when we're too rigid that we should do something one way or another. Now, yes, we all have our own way and our own methods But I see this in healthcare more and more, and it really is sad that there's a lot of people with rigid, almost cultish thinking that have no space to allow variation, whether it's conventional or functional or everything in between. What's sad is people have their agenda, and it's their agenda, and that's it. And that's disheartening. I would hope that we aren't practitioners that are making everything more myopic, but rather holding more space for a varied opinion and view. And if it works for you, and you find that that extra dose of that vitamin C is that golden panacea that fixed things, great. But to chastise others for finding something that heals them is really sad. So, trying to check yourself on rigid thinking and ask, "Am I being too rigid here?" If If I'm bristling at a comment, maybe I just let that person do their thing. Obviously, if it's not medically dangerous, you know, we do have to stand standardize certain licensures. And as a DO, there are certain things that I just don't do, Um, and that's okay. But having those little systems down of expectations and holding space for non judgment is very important. For example, I don't. Perform hormonal pellets. I don't agree with them. I feel like they have supra physiologic levels of hormones in the body, and there are some doctors that are very comfortable with that, and that's fine. It's just not something I will do. So if a patient comes in my office and is really pushing me to do that, I'm not judging them, but I'm just saying it's not something I will do. So making sure rigid thinking isn't something of your of your system and narrative, but that you allow that space for differing opinions. Fortune telling is also another. Another thing I see, especially in Catalyzer uh, mentorship, where all of us are injured in some way, we've had bad outcomes in the past and we've been burned out and we might feel those signs of burnout again. And we already assume very similar to conclusion jumping that we know what the future holds. We know we know it's not going to end good. And as Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi said, what you think is going to happen is going to happen. The more you you perseverate on this and you ruminate on an outcome and you feel like you can tell the fortune of what's going to happen, it's going to happen. That's how our brain works. It notices patterns. Just like when we would play punch buggy in the backseat of my mom's car in the 80s and 90s, you'd see a Volkswagen bug and you'd punch buggy blue. And suddenly you're seeing Volkswagen bugs all over the streets because your brain likes to find patterns and And improve predictability. So, the more you assume a poor outcome, the more likely it will happen. So, practice fortune telling in a positive light and see what happens. Studies show that positive visualization actually will improve the outcomes of favorable occurrences. And finally, magnification, magnifying something out of proportion. Oh, my goodness. I used to be really good at this, and I'm not so good at it anymore. And I'm getting better, but magnification is definitely a big deal. We want to make everything a big deal. Again, it's sort of a little bit of an addiction to dopamine. We like that when things feel like a big deal and it's magnified, it feels important and we must attend to it. So check yourself. Are you really magnifying something out of proportion to what it really is? Look at the facts and see, you know, whether you think you can or you think you can't. You're right. And that's what Henry Ford said. One of my favorite online tests to look at the self-sabotagers, if you're really curious, is positiveintelligence.com forward slash assessments. What I love is that it gives you all the results and they label it in really cute names. Because like I said, we should really take a systems approach, almost like um, internal family systems. If we can name our parts, we can work better with them. So this is what I discovered. I discovered that I have a high rating of being a stickler. A stickler for details, high expectations, nobody can deliver, semi-perfectionistic. That's what a stickler is. Followed by restless. I'm a restless person, which means I'm prone to explore rather than just hone in and seamlessly polish what's already working well. So knowing this about myself is a great tool because... Knowing I'm a stickler and I'm also restless, if I start to look at the shiny new things or, ooh, let's make another A, B, or C, why? Do I need to? Can I just continue honing and polishing what's already working well? Then my number three is hyperachiever. That's no shock there. And then it goes further down the line. Controller, hypervigilant, pleaser, hyperrational, avoider, and victim is the lowest for me. And so all of us are going to have elements of these self-sabotagers, right? Right. But you will have your own unique blend of what is your highest. And I just like this because it gives me a name. It gives me a a focus so I can recognize when this is happening and intervene. And I'll tell you how I intervene in a moment. So don't forget positiveintelligence.com forward slash assessments. Here's a four-question sequence that you can ask. So if you're noticing, or let's say you don't even notice your self-sabotage behavior. Ask yourself, what things cause you to squirm? Meditate on that a bit. Next time you're out for your lunch walk or your morning morning meditation, in your non-thinking time when you're supposed to be recovering, ask yourself, what things cause you to squirm? When that happens, I want you to catch that feeling and intercept it like we talked about, right? You're trying to elongate that response. So catch it, notice, and intercept. Okay, okay. Now, what am I going to do then? Choose that action that you will move forward. And you can generate if-then rules like a user manual for your brain. I'll give you an example. Here is a real-life example. So let's say you are... I, I hear these quotes, right? I'm struggling to find time for all the things. Or my top priorities are I'm learning functional medicine. I'm attending to my current patients. I'm building my business. I'm streamlining. There's so many things. Or here's a snapshot of my brain. For instance, this course seems amazing and relevant and I've listened, but I I couldn't schedule time for this. I'm scattered. I'm not fully in it, but I'm not really in anything for this matter. And then this, is this the marketing course or is it another one of the million that look great and I should do? And how do I, how do I, and what are some of the tools I can implement to get clear on my rocks? And how do I know when a rock is a rock? So do you see all these like cognitive distortions, right? We have lack of direction. We have some perfectionism. I can hear in here. We have, um, you know, some magnification, some imposter syndrome. A lot of things are baked right in here. So when I notice a cognitive distortion, I do an if-then, and what this looks like is if I notice rigid thinking, then I pause and ask, "What if?" For example, if I notice myself feeling very rigid in my thinking, I'll pause and ask, well, what if the opposite were true? Or what, are, what if three other ways could explain this? So I catch myself, right? Here's another example that I use. If I feel the urge to sign up for another training course, then I pause to look at my calendar and make sure that I can watch the lectures and implement, right? Because I'm sorry, as as a a recovering uh, learner, which I love learning. There's many times I've signed up for courses and never they sit there still, and I haven't watched the full course, and that's sad, right? So make sure you have the space, right? Here, let me think of another final one. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed, lack of focus, no direction, then. I sit with my planner and my quarterly, yearly goals, and make sure they're stacked appropriately. So, see, so you can make your own rule book of all these if-then's. And when you notice your saboteurs coming up, you can have an instant playbook and a rule book that can help guide you back on track. And that's what the overwhelm exterminator and prioritized decision worksheet is that I've created, and I like it because it streamlines this flow chart of calming us down. It gives us an anchor. For example, when we're feeling overwhelmed, the first question is, is this in my control? If it's no, then we have to accept and release it. If you have no direct control over it, you have to let this process and go through you. But if you can control, then the next question is, is it urgent? And if it is urgent, then go dark. Turn off all the notifications, ban the messages, kill all your distractions, and change your state every 90 minutes. So get up from your chair, take a walk, take a stretch, and then ask yourself, are you still feeling overwhelmed? If you are, then shift your perspective again. Cognitive thinking, can you frame this in a larger context, right? Check yourself for self-sabotage behavior, and then ask the five whys, right? locating, why am I doing this? What are the triggers? What is my underlying core belief? Why can't I get on focus? Why can't, why, 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 right? And if it's not urgent and you're still feeling overwhelmed, then pause. If it's not urgent, maybe you have too much on your plate. Is there something you can unassign? Can you say no to something? Do you have clarity on where you're headed? And maybe you've put too much on there that doesn't really add to that mission. And ask yourself, what exactly am I trying to achieve right now? List those steps in detail because with clarity comes dopamine, with clarity comes enthusiasm and joy, and flow is really anchored in feedback. We need clarity. When we're distracted and unclear, we can't get into flow. So identifying that first step of what you need to do will get you right into flow. And personally, for prioritizing decisions in my business, I always look to see if they're congruent. Are they exactly what I need to be doing? Are they helping? If it aligns with my core values, great. It can go on to the next question, which is, is it profitable? Is it going to increase my profit? It doesn't have to be right then, but will it yield more value that can help my profit down the line? Then if yes, it goes to the next stage. If no... I might just say, no, thank you. Right. And the next stage, is it reusable? So can it be repurposed again? Can I record this and reuse it? Or if not, is it assignable? So those are the ways that I make decisions. Is it congruent, profitable, reusable, or assignable? And this is how I play well with my self-sabotagers. Hopefully this helped. And you can now catalyze a new relationship with your dark side because we all have sabotagers and they teach us great things if we're open to listening. So keep on catalyzing and painting your ideal work life masterpiece to color outside the lines of what you think is impossible is really possible. And I hope you have a great day.